Remember the group uh, pro-life evangelicals for Biden <laughs> that formed before the election in order to, you know, um, defeat the most pro-life president in American history? Well, they've recently announced that they feel, quote, used and betrayed because the Biden administration did exactly what they promised to do, which is kill more babies and force us to pay for it. Well, I'm going to argue that these heretics would have supported Hitler for his promise of increasing quality of life for everyone, except Jews. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, we are going to talk about this pro-life evangelicals for Biden group. And maybe you've uh, heard of them before. I think I covered them uh, slightly leading up to the election uh, because of their complete backstabbing of our pre-born neighbors in the pro-life movement um, because they were basically becoming advocates for the Biden administration. They wanted Biden to become president. And there was another group called Evangelicals for Biden, too. Um, these folks just got a little bit bit more narrow in their definition of evangelicals, which I guess um, presupposes um, being pro-choice. Um, so the whole title is just a, a complete contradiction, makes no sense at all. It's like saying fiscal conservatives for Karl Marx, or it's like saying abolitionists for Stephen Douglas, or uh, believe all women for Harvey Weinstein, or Black Lives Matter for Margaret Sanger. Um, these are all contradictions in terms and make no sense at all. Pro-life people don't vote for pro-abortion politicians whose platform and party includes the promise to codify Roe v. Wade, to support it through point of birth, and to make us fund it. Um, but this is sort of the new brand of woke evangelicalism that cares more about quality of life outside the womb than protection of life in the womb, um, as we talk about on this show a lot. So, um, before we get into that, though, um, I, I'd love for you to support this show. I'd love for you to give us a rating and review, help us reach more people. Um, this show's really been moving up the ranks. Uh, we were in the top 50 recently in the uh, Society and News or uh, News Commentary section on iTunes, which is, which is pretty awesome, especially given how narrow the focus of the show is just on pro-life and abortion. And so we want to reach more people. We want to reach more young people. Um, who have really bad ideas about abortion because usually they've never thought deeply about the issue and assumed ideas are the most dangerous ones in a republic. And so we want to expose those ideas and reach more people. So give us a rating and review. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. So what do these grifters believe? Um, and I think that is the correct word, a, a grifter, a, a scam artist, uh, someone who is pretending uh, to be someone or something else for some type of benefit. Um, they're just uh, prostituting their position um, in order to achieve certain political goals. What do these grifters actually believe? Well, in October of 2020, Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden actually released a statement at the same time I think they probably launched their website uh, where they explained why they were becoming political advocates and supporters of the Joe Biden administration, the most radical pro-abortion administration in American history. And so I I'm going to go through actually their statement right before the election because many of you maybe didn't know who these people were and I want you to kind of become aware of them. So here's what they said. They said, as pro-life evangelicals, we disagree with Vice President Biden and the Democratic platform on the issue of abortion. But we believe that a biblically shaped commitment to the sanctity of human life compels us to a consistent ethic of life that affirms the sanctity of human 
Christian life from beginning to end. Well, already they've contradicted themselves there, haven't they? They just said the sanctity of life from beginning to end. Well, life begins at conception, and it's legal to murder human beings in the womb, and these pro-life evangelical grifters have to fund it with their tax dollars. So already they're saying we have to affirm a sanctity of human life from beginning to end, but we're actually going to launch a full-scale assault on the sanctity of human life at the very beginning by uh, giving our political support and donations to people who have the same goal. It's ridiculous. So this whole statement already doesn't make sense. And then they sort of squeeze in that consistent ethic of life, right? This is what we talk about on the show, the whole life progressive or consistent life proponent. And the idea here is that quality of life outside of the womb is either morally equivalent to or more important than protection of life in the womb. And so they'll say, yeah, we're pro-life, like we're against abortion, but you know, universal healthcare and a, and a $20 uh, minimum wage requirement and open borders... Um, and federal entitlement programs to incentivize people to remain poor so they don't go get a job for themselves. Those are life issues too. And so I'm going to elevate those over the issue of abortion by voting for the pro-abortion politician who I believe is better at quality of life outside the womb while he launches a full-scale assault on the protection of life in the womb. Do you see what I mean? So this, they're sort of sneaking that in as well. So already their statement doesn't make sense, but this is what they released at the time. And then, then they go on to say that poverty is a pro-life issue, healthcare is a pro-life issue, racism is a pro-life issue, climate change is a pro-life issue, and Trump sucks at all those things, <laughs> right? So they'll say, yeah, Trump was okay on pro-life, but he sucks at all the other life issues, so real pro-life people vote for Joe Biden. They continue, they say, we wanna be clear, we mourn abortion, Highly doubt that. And are committed to work to reduce the number of abortions. But three things are important. And then they tell us what these are as they try to twist themselves into theological and political pretzels uh, in order to convince other evangelicals to enroll in the school of wokeism and vote for Joe Biden. They say, first, even if Donald Trump wins in, on November 3rd and the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, it's not a great deal. Uh, not, because not much will change, they say. Gallup poll after Gallup poll shows that about 75% of the American people want abortion to be legal. Although, fortunately, a majority also want some restrictions. So when the individual states recover the right to write the laws on abortion, abortion will be, abortion will be legal for most Americans. This is pretty shocking what they're saying here. They're, they're, they're literally saying that in the best case scenario, if Trump wins re-election, and the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, so it goes back to the states, that's not even a big win because most people will still kill their babies. So we should su support the political administration that will ensure that we'll never overturn Roe v. Wade. That's literally what they're saying. Now, the Guttmacher Institute, which is Planned Parenthood's statistical research branch, they actually report that 21 states have laws that could be used to restrict the legal status of abortion, and 10 states have post-Roe laws that will ban abortion in that state if Roe v. Wade is overturned. That's why it's called a post-Roe law, right? Like, assuming Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion would be illegal in this state. So there's 10 of those states, but there's 21 total states that Guttmacher Institute is afraid enough of that they're including them in their report and website saying, oh, if those pesky pro-life Republicans have their way and, and Roe v. Wade is overturned, there's going to be um, at least 21 states, so close to half of the states in the country, who could easily restrict or end abortion in that state. Well, that's actually quite encouraging. I mean, that would literally lead to many lives and babies saved 
whose mothers couldn't get an abortion in the state or maybe not even the neighboring state and may not be able to afford to travel or be away from work for that long to go to a state where they can get an abortion. But they, they seem to not even think that that's a good thing, that all of these states could make abortion illegal in their state. Obviously, that's not the total goal of the pro-life movement. The total goal of the pro-life movement is that abortion would be illegal in all 50 states at a federal level because you can't argue from federalism that local states should have the right to murder babies. J just like our idea of the democratic will and, and federalism and local control was not a sufficient or moral argument to say that the federal government should allow pro-slavery states to practice slavery if they want. The same is true with abortion. They don't seem to care or recognize about that. Here, they, they continue with their second reason why woke pro-life evangelicals should vote for killing babies. They say, second, the most common reason women give for abortions is the financial difficulty of another child. Knowing that, we appreciate the fact that a number of Democratic proposals would significantly alleviate that financial burden. Accessible health services for all citizens, affordable child care, a minimum wage that lifts workers out of poverty. Um, so it, it, these kind of statements are crazy because you would never hear these type of progressives say this about any other issue. And I think this kind of reveals what I call soft bigotry in the abortion debate, meaning that the, 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 these woke pro-life evangelicals will acknowledge the unborn has some type of value or dignity, but not enough that they should be legally protected. Here's what I mean by this. Let's say that it was legal to kill children under one years old, something Peter Singer would love to do, right? Peter Singer, Princeton, philosophy, Princeton philosopher, um, and believes that personhood comes at some stage around one years old, so infants should be able to be killed. Let's say that it was okay for Planned Parenthood to kill children through one years old, and we, we had to fund it with our tax dollars. So the, the, the solution, according to the uh, anti-infanticide evangelicals for Biden, is not to make infanticide illegal and make it illegal to kill babies, um, up to one years old, but because you see most families are killing their one-year-olds because they're, they're broke and they don't have enough money to raise the child. So what we need to do is we need to vote for the Democratic Party whose platform includes keeping infanticide legal and making us fund it. We really have to do that, um, but don't worry, Democratic policies will provide health care and federal entitlement programs to these families to just try to encourage them to not kill their one-year-olds. But we definitely have to keep killing one-year-olds legal. I mean, this is ridiculous, but this is what they're saying on the issue of abortion, is we're going to vote to keep it legal, and we're going to vote for politicians who run on the platform of protecting it with every fiber of their being. But don't worry, we'll provide minimum wage and health care to maybe encourage them to not kill their children. A government and country that legalized and protected slavery but also promise federal entitlement and welfare programs for plantation owners, you know, just to fill in the financial gap if they chose not to enslave blacks would still be a deeply evil society. So that's their second reason as to why they're going to vote for killing babies as Christians um, because, uh, you know, women just are killing babies because they're broke and so we just need to give them more money. And they continue for their third reason. Third, not just abortion, but poverty, lack of health care coverage, racism, and climate change are also pro-life issues. The statement notes that the official public policy document of the National Association of Evan Evangelicals says, quote, faithful evangelical civic engagement and witness must have a biblically balanced agenda. And they say, we must oppose one issue political thinking because it lacks a biblical balance. 
For these reasons, we believe that on balance, Joe Biden's policies are more consistent with the biblically shaped ethic of life than those of Donald Trump. Therefore, even as we continue to urge different policies on abortion, we urge evangelicals to elect Joe Biden as president. <laughs> so we're just going to empower the regime that's in place, that has been in place for 48 years, launching a full-scale genocidal assault on unborn little babies. Um, but we're going to encourage him uh, to go with pro-life policies, even though he's promised to never encourage that and to discriminate against pro-lifers. Uh, but we're just going to plead with him to do that. But we just really need universal health care. Um, that's, that's their approach. That was their pitch, their open letter in October of 2020. Um, and obviously, if you applied this type of reasoning on slavery, uh, it, it would just be atrocious and these people would be deeply offended if you insinuated that they would support slavery in the 1850s. Though later in the show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the claim and the argument that I think these woke evangelicals would have supported the Holocaust in Germany. Because imagine saying, you know, we, we Christians need to support Stephen Douglas, the racist Democrat who ran against Abraham Lincoln in 1860, because we can't be single issue voters. And we reject, and now I use their language, we reject this uh, one issue political thinking because it lacks a biblical balance. And so even though I wouldn't buy a slave and whip them like a cow, and I, I would like if my fellow Americans wouldn't do that, I have to vote for the politician who's running on protecting states' rights to purchase black human beings and treat them like cattle because I'm not going to elevate slavery in a moral hierarchy of evils. And I really need to think about federal entitlement programs for middle-class white people who don't have enough funds to purchase a plantation and then pack them with uh, human beings that they treat like cattle in order to enrich themselves. You know, the lower-class white person, his life matters too, and that's a life issue. And while Democrats are running on treating human beings like cows, we have to consider their programs that will help lower-class white people be able to live at a livable um, wage to support their children. So there... I mean, it's, this is disgusting, bigoted arguments, but this is exactly what they're doing to the baby in the womb because they're soft bigots who will say these children have some type of value, but not enough to be protected in our laws. So that's the background to pro-life evangelicals for Biden or fiscal conservatives for Karl Marx, if you will. And soon we're going to get to why they're talking recently about how they feel used and betrayed. And they're just so shocked that Biden isn't being a pro-life president because he never promised to, and he promised to be the most radical pro-abortion president in American history. We're going to get to that in one second. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted and check out our cool tiers. I've told you about them before. We've got former fetus, energetic embryo, zealous zygote, sassy since conception, pro-life apologist, life defender, the bane of choice is a pretty badass name. You should go with that one. Abolitionist and the babies thank you. And each of these tiers just have different perks that you'll get. Um, be that access to me, digital small groups online, a one-on-one -on -one training call, downloadable content. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just for you as a thank you for supporting the show, but your support will help us reach more people, move to two episodes a week. We're building a set on this show. We're taking this content onto the streets in a conversational format to put these ideas in those conversations with people who have never really spoken to someone engaged in full-time pro-life work because we want to prick the collective conscience of the country, wake them up to the fate of our pre-born neighbors, and truly create the pro-life generation. So consider becoming a patron of the show. We really appreciate it, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more.
So recently, the Senate has voted to go ahead and pass a ridiculous $1.9 trillion um, American rescue plan. Um, and, and this is going to utterly bankrupt the country beyond what we already have, forcing our children and grandchildren to pay for our greed, which is going to be pitched as compassion and love for the little guy by the Democratic Party. So the Senate passes this American Rescue Plan, according to LifeSite News, but refused to apply the Hyde Amendment as a rider on the bill. Now, the Hyde Amendment you know, was written by uh, Henry Hyde, I believe, 1976, shortly after abortion was legalized, and it was a rider on federal spending bills to say, hey, we need to at least say that our Americans' federal tax dollars will not go to funding abortions. And this has received large bipartisan support, and it's been included on basically every federal rider or every federal spending bill as a rider. Now, during COVID, Nancy Pelosi worked very hard to push through the stimulus checks without that rider. And Planned Parenthood actually ended up receiving quite a few million dollars um, and then was sued for receiving it because they weren't supposed to. So Democrats have moved further and further left and radical and, and, and want to ensure that our tax, tax dollars explicitly fund the abortion industry because right now we give Planned Parenthood over half a billion dollars a year, right? And then we say, but just earmark it for not abortions, okay? But money's fungible, so it frees up their funds, so we're still funding abortions. But the Hyde Amendment has saved babies because it's prevented federal dollars from funding abortions through Medicaid reimbursements. So many women and families won't get an abortion if they can't afford to get reimbursed through Medicaid. And so they reject abortion. And you can go to hellohide.com or hellohide.org. I forget which one. And you can see how the Hyde Amendment has saved babies, saved over 2 million babies since it was instituted. Okay, well, Democrats now hate the Hyde Amendment. <laughs> um, and it's actually in their, in their platform. And we're going to get to that in just one second, too. But here's what LifeSite News had to say. On March 5th, the Center for Family and Human Rights warned, quote, the bill makes funding for abortion groups available through $8.6 billion for the global response to the pandemic. The global response to the pandemic, led by the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, designates reproductive health, including abortion, as essential to the COVID-19 response. Okay, so they're, they're saying that, that uh, $8.6 billion is going to go to the global response for the pandemic, but part of the global response to the pandemic must include reproductive health care, which is going to be abortions, okay? LifeSite News continues and says, the international pro-life lobby group added, quote, more troubling to pro-life senators is the $8.7 billion designated for the global response to the pandemic, noting that, quote, since March, the UN Secretary General and UN agencies made abortion essential to the UN pandemic response. So you can't respond to this pandemic and support families and individuals unless you're helping them kill the smallest members of their family. They included sexual and reproductive health as essential to COVID-19 UN policies and defined this term by reference to a United Nations manual that declares abortion a human right and says medical providers should be forced to refer for abortion against their conscience. All right, well, this all fits within the democratic uh, establishment and infrastructure. This is who they are. The radical, what used to be the radical, is now the mainstream, and Joe Biden has made that incredibly clear. So pro-life evangelicals for Biden responds to this, this, uh, this news that the administration that promised them that they would be pro-choice pragmatic moderates is radical, and they're removing the bipartisan Hyde Amendment on a federal spending bill that we're foisting onto our grandchildren in order to kill babies right now here and abroad. Shocker! Joe Biden's doing exactly what he said he was going to do on abortion. And pro-life evangelicals for Biden, they just can't believe this. So they released an open letter on March 7th 
entitled Open Letter on the American Recovery Act. And I'm going to read just a portion of it or some of it here for you just so you can see what grifts these people are. Um, and these type of people, I'm going to argue here shortly, should be treated like heretics for prostituting their uh, commitment to Jesus to the religion of leftism, which is a false religion. Here's what they say. As pro-life leaders, no, you're not, in the evangelical community, we publicly supported President Biden's candidacy with the understanding that there would be engagement with us on the issue of abortion and particularly the Hyde Amendment. The Biden team wanted to talk to us during the campaign to gain our support, and we gave it on the condition that there would be active dialogue and common ground solutions on the issue of abortion. There has been no dialogue since the campaign. Oh, oh wait, you mean that pro-abortion Democrats um, treat Americans like political pawns in order to accomplish their political goals? and then turn right around and stab them in the back and betray them because they got what they needed from you? you? Wait, you mean that they treated you like a prostitute? Shocker. This is exactly what we warned you about, pro-life evangelicals for Biden. And yet you insisted that real pro-lifers vote to murder babies. They continue in their letter here saying, we feel used and betrayed and have no intention of simply watching these kinds of efforts happen from the sidelines. Well, what are you going to do now? Many evangelicals and Catholics took risks to support Biden publicly. President Biden and Democrats need to honor their courage. No, no, it wasn't courageous to vote for murdering babies, you woke evangelicals, okay? And he says, we call on President Biden to honor his commitment to us and immediately demand that the House of Representatives apply the Hyde language to the American Relief Package. Okay, so these pro-life evangelicals for Biden or fiscal conservatives for Karl Marx or Believe All Women for Harvey Weinstein, what they're saying is that we believed Joe Biden in his administration when he told us that he would engage in active dialogue and common ground solutions with us and that we gave him his support with the intention and understanding that they were going to maintain the Hyde Amendment on federal spending bills. Now listen, I don't buy it. I do not buy it that these people were, were honestly deceived, that these are good-hearted people um, who, who were honestly just tricked. I don't buy it for a second. They knew exactly what they were getting with Joe Biden. The pro-life com community, the conservative community told them over and over again after they launched this ridiculous, contradictory organization what they were going to get with this administration, the most radical pro-abortion administration in American history with a vice president who jails pro-lifers, for goodness sake, and was the co-sponsor of the most radical piece of federal pro-abortion legislation called the Women's Health Protection Act. And uh, for that, go back and listen to my uh, episode on Kamala Harris. This is simply an attempt by the pro-life evangelicals for Biden to cover their butts within evangelical circles so, so they can look like they're holding this administration accountable, right? And they're proving their pro-life principles. I'm still speaking for pro-life. I'm saying, no, you naughty, naughty Biden. You can't use our tax dollars to fund abortions in a stimulus bill that's supposed to help the American economy by bankrupting it and forcing our grandchildren to pay for it. Naughty, naughty, naughty. See, I'm pro-life still. I'm still speaking truth to power, except you voted these people into position and you told us that we should do it too. And we told you what you were going to get. You grifters, you betrayers of the unborn, you soft bigots who say that the unborn is an image bearer of God, but they shouldn't be protected in our laws. And you'll vote for people who run on the platform of murdering them. You knew exactly what you were getting. 
but because they don't actually give a rat's ass that Biden is funding the murder of babies with their tax dollars because they knew what he promised and they knew what the Democratic Party platform is. And we're going to get to that right now. We're going to play you some clips here of, of what Biden told the country and the world that he would do if he got into the White House. And I don't buy it for a second that these pro-life evangelicals for Biden are that politically ignorant to these debates, that they were truly just honestly ignorant about the false promises of this administration. So here is Joe Biden right after he announces he's running for president. This is one of the first things he did to prove his devotion to the religion of Gnostic dualism, which is that uh, our, the real us is not our body, so therefore we can murder babies because they're not really persons. Here is Biden promising to remove the Hyde Amendment from federal spending bills right after he launched his presidential campaign. Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden reversing his stance on the controversial Hyde Amendment. Uh, here's Biden last night, so take a listen. For many years as U.S. Senator, I have uh, I've supported the Hyde Amendment like many, many others have. Because there was sufficient monies and circumstances where women were able to exercise that right. If I believe health care is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. Well, there you have it. Uh, killing babies is health care. And wh wh why should we deny some people health care? I mean, we should include funding for that as well. Uh, because health care is denying children health by murdering them and ensuring that they'll never receive health care. Um, also, just as a, a point of observation, look at how much more articulate uh, Joe Biden was just a few months ago. Really tragic. Of course, a, a party that treats human beings in the womb as political pawns will treat senior citizens as political pawns as well in order to gain political power and foist him up as a decrepit puppet in order to advance their agenda with the American public. Just a point of observation. Here is also Biden at a Planned Parenthood Action Fund event, um, our 2020 election membership forum. I believe this was in 2019, but you know, it was gearing up for the 2020 election, right? I mean, this is a Planned Parenthood event, okay? And here is Biden promising to codify Roe v. Wade into federal law, making it nearly impossible to save babies at the state level, and even more difficult at abolishing abortion. And here's what he's telling us he cares about and what he's going to do if he gets into the White House. A situation where I would codify Roe v. Wade as, 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 as defined by Casey. It should be the law, and there's no reason why, if the Supreme Court makes a judgment that everybody's worried about with these appeals going to the Supreme Court, that it changed, I would codify Roe v. Wade and Casey. Well, there you have it. And listen, this is Biden just staying true to the Democratic platform. He's not off the reservation. In fact, many were not comfortable with him because they didn't think he'd be radical enough. But of course, he's just an empty suit for the radical left. He is saying exactly what his Democratic platform believes. And I'm going to read to you just really quickly one sentence from the Democratic Party platform. Okay, Go to the DNC website. Download the platform language. Here it is. Quote, we will repeal the Hyde Amendment and protect and codify Roe v. Wade. The two things Joe Biden just said he was going to do. He's just right with his party. And these pro-life evangelicals for Biden are shocked, betrayed, surprised that Joe Biden, one, did what he said he was going to do on abortion, which is, is one of the only campaign promises that Democrats fulfill, right, is their, is their promises on abortion. And two, that he does exactly what the Democratic Party platform says that they're going to do. How are you surprised by this? I don't buy it 
that you were honestly surprised. I think you're a grifter who was trying to siphon votes away from the only political administration who could protect the unborn in any meaningful way while trying to remain in uh, sort of amiable circles and relationships with those in the evangelical community. And I can prove it to you that these grifters knew that this would happen and that they're happy to be used. Oh yeah, they're happy to be used and certainly don't feel betrayed to use their language. Let's go back to their statement. Remember I read you their October 2020 statement? Again, here is their first paragraph in that statement. As pro-life evangelicals, we disagree with Vice President Biden and the Democratic platform on the issue of abortion. But we believe that a biblically shaped commitment to the sanctity of human life means murdering babies because quality of life outside the womb is more important. That's what they said in the very beginning of their statement. We disagree with Biden and the platform of his party on the issue of abortion. And I just read you what their platform is. That they were going to remove the Hyde Amendment and they were going to codify Roe v. Wade into federal law. I don't buy it for one second that pro-life evangelicals for Biden are honestly shocked. Now, Biden at an October 2020 town hall uh, went further to make it increasingly clear that he wants to codify Roe v. Wade. So this is a month before the election, folks, or less, just weeks before the election. And he was asked specifically about, um, you know, Amy Coney Barrett's uh, nomination and what that might do to Roe. And so here's what he said. He said, number one, we don't know exactly what she will do. Although expectation is that she may very well move to overrule Roe. The only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. End quote. October 2020 town hall with Biden promising to codify Roe v. Wade, especially if there's any type of Supreme Court threat to overturning Roe v. Wade and sending it back to the states. So these pro-life evangelicals for Biden have known for a long time what they were getting and who they were helping gain political power. Now, just to show you one more example of the radical nature of Joe Biden's abortion position and policy, I want to play you a, a recent clip. This was just this month, actually on March 2nd, okay? White House um, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, um, who is almost as inarticulate as Joe Biden, was asked by someone at uh, the Catholic news organization, ETWN, I believe, whether Biden would force doctors to perform or assist with abortions or transgender surgeries against their faith beliefs, right? This is the idea of conscience protections. And if you remember, one of the first things that Trump did in 2016 was he, op he opened the uh, conscience office in the Health and Human Services Department to explicitly protect the conscience rights of pro-life OBGYNs, Catholic nurses, et cetera, who didn't want to participate or perform abortions. So here is the question, and here is Jen Psaki answering whether Biden, this pragmatic pro-choice moderate, right, you woke evangelicals, whether he would coerce re religious individuals to perform abortions. There's pro-life groups right now very concerned about the, uh, the phrase pregnancy discrimination in the Equality Act. You're familiar with that, I'm sure. That it would force doctors to perform abortions even if it violates their conscience. There are also concerns the bill would force doctors to perform gender transition surgeries, and sterilizations, again, even if it violates their conscience. What does the president, President Biden, say about those concerns? Uh, the president's been a long supporter of Roe v. Wade. Uh, it has been uh, his consistent belief that should be law, and he will fight to continue to protect that as being law. Conscience concerns is 
not a concern of his? No, I think, again, I'm just going to state what the President's policies are. Did you have another question? Will President Biden keep the Conscience and Religious Freedom Division at HHS, the office that was put in place under President Trump, will keep it in place to receive conscience complaints from those doctors? You'll have to talk to a future Secretary Becerra once he is confirmed. Honestly, props on the reporter for <laughs> keep pushing the conscience protections, right? Uh, is Joe Biden on board with forcing pro-life OBGYNs to perform abortions against their faith because the Equality Act would redefine the word sex to include pregnancy so that if you deny someone an abortion, that's pregnancy discrimination, so that's sex discrimination, so you have to be sued and forced to perform an abortion. Um, that's what he's asking about. And her answer is just, um, uh, uh, Joe Biden loves abortion, and he supports Roe v. Wade. Uh, Okay, that's not what I asked, Jen. I, I asked if he was going to force people with moral and religious objections to abortion to perform them upon threat of career termination. Uh, Joe Biden loves abortion and he supports Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I, I understand, Jen. I, I'm asking, is he going to remove the Conscience Protections Office and HHS that President Trump opened because uh, under the Obama administration, he was trying to force nuns to pay for abortions and Catholic uh, physicians to perform or assist with abortions against their religious beliefs. Uh, yeah, you'll have to ask Xavier Becerra once he takes over the HHS, the guy who forced nuns to pay for abortion-inducing drugs, sued the federal government to make them do that, jailed pro-lifers who exposed Planned Parenthood for selling dead baby body parts on the black market, and tried to pro force California pro-life pregnancy centers to advertise for abortion. You'll have to ask him when he gets to the HHS. Thank you, Jen. Yes, I'm sure Xavier Becerra will be forcing people to perform abortions upon threat of career termination. My goodness, what an easy question to answer, right? Most of the American population, even those who are Democrats and pro-choice, do not support forcing people who just say, I don't want to do the abortion to do it anyways or be fired. This is, this is not... This should not be a partisan issue. This should be very bipartisan. And Jen Psaki's non-answer makes it very clear that, yes, his HHS department, God forbid it's led by Xavier Becerra, along with Biden himself, is per perfectly fine with coercing doctors to perform abortions or transgender surgeries or be fired, you discriminatory bigot. Look at how radical this administration is. And we warned you, you pro-life, fake grifters, evangelicals for Biden, we warned you that this would happen. And we pleaded with you to side with us in trying to get out the pro-life vote for a sinful man who had promised to protect the pre-born. But no, you cared more about universal health care and open borders and poverty usually through federal entitlement programs, which actually incentivize poverty rather than encouraging people to go get employed themselves. You said that that was more important than the genocide of abortion. So Dr. Richard Mao, he's the former president of Fuller Theological Seminary, and he spoke with CBN News recently following um, the announcement of the Biden administration to remove the Hyde Amendment from the stimulus package. Now, Dr. Richard Mao was the, I believe, the co-author of that October 2020 statement from Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. He's one of the signers. He's one of the drafters. By the way, what a, what a uh, critique and sham against um, uh, schools of faith and Christian institutions, right? The Fuller Theological Seminary has gone so far left that I wouldn't send anyone there in order to get into the pastorate. You have the former president, Emeritus, of Fuller Theological Seminary as a Biden abortion apologist. But don't worry, he's personally pro-life. So he spoke with CBN News recently. Here's what he had to say when they asked him 
about how he felt used and betrayed. He said, unfortunately, I think we got a signal, but it was a wrong one, claims Mao. It was a signal that the extreme wing within the Democratic Party is really determining the agenda. No, really. Also what we told you. I don't see any reason why a Catholic president like Joe Biden, who certainly has understood the teachings of the church, not at least to say when we would want to cut back on the number of abortions, that we don't want federally funded abortions except in extreme circumstances. So Dr. Richard Mao is saying, I just don't understand. He's a Catholic. Oh yeah, a Catholic that's been denied the Eucharist because his soul is in peril. And that's why most priests won't give him the Eucharist. He's saying this Catholic president should at least support the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, but he promised to remove the Hyde Amendment. Wake up. He continues and says, I don't understand where he's going with this. Why would he be so open now about wanting to dump the Hyde Amendment language, which for so many of us was a boundary that we didn't want to cross? This will raise a question of whether or not we are still welcome in the Democratic Party. <laughs> Mao says, while Biden has preached a message of unity, his actions have not delivered on that promise. Dun, dun, dun. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Wake up. Wait, you mean, you mean the president? who along with Obama tried to force nuns and Christian business owners to pay for contraception and abortion-inducing drugs in their health plans isn't pursuing unity? What, what, you mean that he just uses his title Catholic in order to, to target those who are actually Orthodox Catholics by forcing them to pay for abortion-inducing drugs for nuns who don't have sex and have no need of contraceptives? No. Wait, you mean the guy who attacked Clarence Thomas over baselix baseless sexual assault allegations in order to prevent a pro-life judge from getting on the Supreme Court has disdain for pro-lifers? No. Now, if you aren't familiar with this interaction, by the way, I, I, I want to bring it up. Some of you who listen to this show are a lot younger, and you, you, you were not even, maybe not even around when Clarence Thomas uh, got on the Supreme Court, and maybe you don't know that story or the genesis of that story is quite incredible. So Clarence Thomas, right, one of the um, members of the Supreme Court, probably, probably the most conservative justice on the Supreme Court, his, um, the, is the only justice who has publicly said that Roe was wrongly decided and it should be overturned and it was, uh, and that abortion has been used as a tool of eugenicists and racists. I mean, the guy hates abortion, is very pro-life. Clarence Thomas, when being um, interviewed um, during Senate hearings before his confirmation to the Supreme Court, had these baseless sexual assault allegations thrown at him. Oh, wait, wait, you mean Democrats use baseless sexual assault allegations to prevent conservative justices from getting on the Supreme Court because they're afraid that they might overturn Roe versus Wade? I wonder if that's happened any time recently. <laughs> I mean, this is exactly what happened with Brett Kavanaugh, and it's not the first time that this has happened. This is a favorite strategy of Democrats uh, in order to prevent uh, justices from compromising their greatest sacrament, which is abortion. And so Joe Biden, as a senator, I believe at the time, sat on the hearings and was leading the hearings and questions against Clarence Thomas. And the national media and the Democratic Party made a huge deal about the sexual assault allegations from Anita Hill without any evidence whatsoever, completely baseless. But they ran with it just like they did with Christine Blasey Ford recently in order to make sure that, that no black people who thinks differently than how Democrats think they should think is allowed to sit on the court. So um, here is just part of Clarence Thomas's response 
to Joe Biden and the Democratic Party infrastructure who tried to prevent him from getting on the Supreme Court. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured, by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate, rather than hung from a tree. Oh, oh, that's brutal! Isn't that brutal? Nothing uh, scares Democrats more than being insinuated that they're racist and they treat black people like property. <laughs> but that's exactly what Clarence Thomas points out. Unless you kowtow to an old order, an old order that what? Used to treat blacks like property and lynch them if they didn't behave how white racists wanted them to. Unless you kowtow to that old order, then you're going to be lynched, not from a tree, but, from, but by a Democratic Party infrastructure that says you don't get to think like a conservative because you're black. And as Joe Biden said recently, if you can't figure out if you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And we're seeing Joe Biden's racism um, as early as Clarence Thomas's uh, nomination to the, the Supreme Court. Because God forbid a black man is pro-life, conservative, and would want to overturn Roe v. Wade. If that doesn't show you Joe Biden's disdain and hatred for pro-lifers, I don't know what will. You woke evangelicals for Biden. You knew fully well that Joe Biden was a divisive liar of a politician, a cynical individual, only patting people on the back in order to get favors and political power in order to protect the left's greatest sacrament, which is abortion. And we warned you over and over and over again. So don't pretend to feel betrayed or surprised that Biden did what all, nearly all Democrats do which is to back the institution of womb lynchings, which disproportionately target black America. Next, we're going to get to why I believe pro-life evangelicals for Biden would have supported Hitler. And I know that sounds like a hyperbole, and maybe you don't think I can make the case as to why, but I want you to give me the chance, and if you agree, I want you to make the same point. But first, if you want to enjoy this show visually, if you want to see the clips that we play on this show, um, then uh, you know go over to YouTube and subscribe, and uh, we have all of the episodes available there as well, and you can see the media and guests that we have, so go subscribe. Um, Seth Gruber, A Voice for the Unborn is the name of the channel. Hit the notification bell so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, while I currently continue to fly under the radar of the technocrats at Google, uh, we want to reach as many people as possible with the truth about life and the bigotry of abortion. So go check out my YouTube channel, subscribe. We want to reach more people in the digital marketplace of ideas, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show. So obviously, the pro-life evangelicals for Biden is a group of grifters, just like the Lincoln Project. These are what Michael Knowles calls court jesters in the kingdom of liberalism who pretend to hold conservative values but only lift up and further entrench the liberal establishment to gain political power. 
Now, not only are they cynical individuals who don't believe what they said they believe, because it was overwhelmingly obvious that Joe Biden was going to be as radical on abortion as a Barack Obama, if not more so, by picking Kamala Harris as his VP, but I also think that the pro-life evangelicals for Biden would have supported Hitler. Now, I know people don't like these analogies. It's like everyone makes the Hitler comparison, but I think it's an important one to make because the Holocaust, slavery, abortion, all of, the, all of these things are wrong for the same reason. And this is a point that I make all the time and that pro-lifers need to make all the time. Each of these injustices are wrong for the same reason because in each circumstance, actual image bearers of God, actual human beings who we know are human beings are declared subhuman or non-persons so that the government or infrastructure in control can dehumanize them and convince the American public that it's okay to mistreat or kill this class of individuals. So they're wrong for the same reasons. And it's very easy for us in 2021, right, to look back at 1930s, 1940s Germany and go, oh my gosh, what bigots, what anti-Semites, how could they possibly allow that? And, and how did Christians and quote-unquote conservatives just sit by and allow it to happen? Or worse yet, support Hitler from their pulpits and from their church. And this is what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery, right? We think we're so much better because we're in modern America, right? We, we believe this science of history myth, which is that is that there's a science to history. And we, if we can just get the formula right, then we can perfect human nature, so there's a pro the progressives believe that there's, a, there's an upward trajectory towards perfection and utopia, and we're always moving upwards. So we're always getting better. And we look back down at people in 1940 and 1850 slavery here, and we go, what bigots? How could they put up with that? We are far worse for putting up with the slaughter and bloodshed of 63 million unborn children since 1973, calling it similar things and using euphemisms to justify it, and attacking our political opponents who don't want to kill babies and actually believe in the idea of human equality. Unfortunately, history does repeat itself because bigotry and culture are powerful things. You know, culture is similar to what water is to a fish. It's the streams and river that we swim in. And it's very difficult to remain unaffected by the place you live in. You know, a fish is going to be affected by the water it swims and lives in. And far too many Christians are more affected by the cultural streams and waters that they live in than by the biblical liturgy and Bible that they're supposed to mold their lives around. And so it might sound preposterous and untenable that we, we would be anything like a uh, a Holocaust sympathizer, or that we would be apathetic and stand by and allow this to happen. But the same people who said that they wouldn't do that in 1940s Germany, most of them are doing that on abortion today. If you want to know how you would have responded to the Holocaust in 1940, it's how you respond to abortion today. And you would respond in a like-for-like -like way because of the power of culture and the power of normalization and the ability and sometimes the ease in which human beings go along to get along and are willing to avoid discomfort and personal persecution um, if all that is required is for them to allow the persecution of others. The same holds true with the issue of abortion. So I want to briefly dive in to a little history of the Holocaust, okay? Hitler, the Nazi regime, and the church in Germany at the time. And, and I think I want to make this case that pro-life evangelicals for Biden would have supported Hitler. Because, you know, I mean, Hitler was promising quality of life for everyone, except Jews, of course, who were murdered. 
In the same way, the Democratic Party today runs on the platform of life and whole life and consistent life and quality of life while depriving actual life to little babies in the womb. So after coming to power, Hitler introduced a doctrine known as Glickschaltun, and I probably said that completely wrong, Glickschaltun, or bringing into line, okay? Bringing into line is what that meant. You better get in line, right? Repeat, and if you dissent, we're gonna damn you. Everyone has to get into the party line. Say what we say. Say two plus two equals five. Say it, say it, say it. Say Jews aren't persons. Say we should fund abortions, right? The coercion of the government for political inferiors to obey. And this policy was intended to bring all parts of German society into coordination with the nationalist socialist ideology, the Nazi party. And this is what Hitler called, quote, a total state. Total state, total state control, right? And you can bet the church was not exempt from this, right? This, this doctrine of bringing everyone into line with the party line did not grant the church conscience uh, rights from, from what he was trying to do. No, he went after the church as well. And the Deutsch Christians, or the German Christian, the German church, folded like a stack of cards and actually became an instrument used by the Nazi party to propagandize their atheistic eugenic worldview within the walls of the church. These were what today we would call woke evangelicals who make room for secular humanistic ideologies within the walls of the church and within their liturgy. This was happening in Germany. But don't worry, they still called it Christianity. <laughs> they, still, they still called it orthodoxy and faithfulness and of following Jesus and loving our neighbor. Um, Richard Stegman, uh, Richard Stegman Gall wrote a book called The Holy Reich, Nazi Conceptions of Christianity. And he makes a point that the German Christian movement was, quote, intent on suffusing Protestant Christianity with the anti-Christian tenets of its parent movement. Let me say that again, okay? In this book, Richard Stegman Gall says that the German Christian movement, or today would be woke evangelicals, they were intent, quote, on suffusing Protestant faith or Christianity with the anti-Christian tenets of its parent movement. And what was the parent movement? The Nazi state, right? The Nazi ideology that had co-opted Christianity and swapped bigotry onto it in order to get those Christians into line too with what the Nazi state wanted to accomplish. This is what we today call syncretism. Syncretism. That's when you mesh or blend or combine your Christian faith with anti-Christian beliefs and worldviews, but you still call it Christianity. This is called syncretism. And today's syncretists, such as pro-life evangelicals for Biden, are just as eager to please today's political bigots as the German church was to please Nazi elites, right? Court jesters in the kingdom of liberalism, as Michael Knowles says. You're just, per you're just performing performative, entertaining acts for the liberal establishment in order to get crumbs from their table so that you won't be persecuted and you can be left alone. But you're doing nothing but propagandizing and supporting their worldview and institution and encouraging others to do the same so long as you can remain comfortable. Well, if you're a Christian court jester in the kingdom of Moloch, then your Christianity is anything but orthodox. If you, 
empower, expand, and support the party that, whose platform includes murdering and funding the murder of babies on the altar of quality of life for those already born, then I highly doubt that your Christianity is the type of Christianity that Christ calls us to. And many would later write about the German church and their role in spreading Nazi propaganda as heresy. Many would later write about the German church being co-opted by the Nazi government to push Nazi ideology, and they would refer to these quote-unquote Christians or the German church as heretics because this was not Christianity. It was so anti-Christian that you had to refer to those pushing it as heretics. You're not part of the circle of faith. You're not part of historic Christianity. Call it what you will, it ain't the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Doris Bergen, who wrote the book Twisted Cross, right, the Nazi cross, called it Twisted Cross, the German Christian movement in the Third Reich. Doris Bergen, she specifically refers to the German Christian movement as heretical and calls them, quote, anti-Christian. In other words, we can't make room for these people within Orthodox historic Christianity, that these people are just grifters pretending to be Christians while performing in the circus of liberalism to further entrench their power to push their ideology. It was Nazism then, the Holocaust then, and today it's ageism and the pro-choice movement, which discriminates against others for being younger and smaller and in the womb, as opposed to just off of religious affiliation as being Jews. But they're wrong for the same reason. And Doris Bergen's book argues that the German Christian movement actually ought to be seen and identified as heretical based on its two primary doctrines. And she says that the two primary doctrines of not of the German Christian movement, rather, was anti-Semitism and anti-feminism, that they had just absorbed the worldview and premises of Nazism. But they were just slapping Christianity onto it and saying, hallelujah, Jesus, we love you, Father. She's saying these people are heretics and ought to be referred to and treated as such. And I would make the same point on today's woke pro-life evangelicals for Biden. So Nazis were anti-Semitic and anti-feminist. Well, today's pro-choice movement is based entirely on two similar doctrines, racism and ageism, because the pro-abortion movement was founded on racism. Planned Parenthood was launched by a racist and eugenicist by the name of Margaret Sanger, who actually admired Hitler. And Margaret Sanger was hobnobbing, was best friends with the founders of the American Eugenics Society. And when Hitler was in jail in Munich for his failed a coup attempt before he gained political power, was writing fan mail to the founders of the American Eugenics Society who were BFFs with Margaret Sanger, and Hitler was thanking the founder of the American Eugenics Society for his book, and he called his book his Bible. Hitler calls the founder of the American Eugenics Society's book his Bible and base Nazi eugenic policies on the books being written by American eugenicists, one of whom was Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who once spoke at a KKK rally and launched the Negro Project in order to decrease the black population. And that is the goal of Planned Parenthood today because 79% of Planned Parenthood's surgical abortion facilities, according to a study by Protecting Black Life, are located within walking distance of black neighborhoods. And Planned Parenthood has a very famous, infamous tweet 
from a couple years ago that says if you're a black woman in America, it is statistically safer to get an abortion than to give birth to your child, than to go through the process of childbirth. So you've got the racist Planned Parenthood organization telling black women, if you really care about you, and you know you do you and you love you and you take care of your health, young black woman, if you really care about your health, you should always get an abortion when you're pregnant. Because the stats show, the science, hashtag science shows that that's safer than giving birth to your child. What could be more racist than that? So the two primary doctrines of the German Christian movement and the Nazi ideology was anti-Semitism and anti-feminism. And today in the pro-abortion movement, it's racism and ageism. And those are two things that these woke evangelicals for Biden are okay with. They won't say they're okay with it, but they're okay for voting for it. And ageism is, of course, discrimination against others based off of their age. Well, pro-choice says we can kill babies because they're younger. That would be ageism. And Christians who defend and further that regime and movement because they're, you know, they're not single issue people and they defend that regime, the political regime of Joe Biden, with the language of Christian orthodoxy ought to be treated as heretics as well because you are slapping anti-Christian, anti-God, atheistic worldviews onto orthodox Christianity and claiming that they're the same. But they're not. The law of non-contradiction says that two opposing ideas cannot both be true at the same time and in the same way. It cannot be true that human beings are image bearers of God and have intrinsic dignity, and so therefore all human beings are created equal. That can't also be true with the premises of ageism, of Nazism, and of pro-choiceism, or the abortion industry, which says that your value comes from your functions. Oh, and we get to decide which functions give you value. So we'll conveniently say that the functions of being unborn, being dependent, and being smaller disqualify you from the community of persons. And Bonhoeffer would actually later refer to this type of Christianity as anything but Christianity, right? And Bonhoeffer was asked in 1943, shortly before he was murdered by the Nazis for his failed assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler, he was asked how it was possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler seize power. And his answer was firm and resolute. Here's what he said. It was the teaching of cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. That's cheap grace, according to Bonhoeffer. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the founders of the Confessing Church, which was created to separate those who were opposing the Nazi regime with the Deutsche Christens, the German church, which was empowering Nazi ideology, According to Bonhoeffer, the type of Christianity that was being endorsed and promoted by the German church was a cheap grace. And that ultimately cheap grace is is grace without Jesus Christ, which means that cheap grace is not Christianity at all, which means cheap grace would be a heresy and not fit into the orthodox historic Christian tradition. Because only a cheap grace could allow you to say Christians should vote to continue the 48-year genocide of innocence because we need universal health care, according to pro-life evangelicals provided. Only a cheap grace would allow you to say 
Christians should actually vote to uphold and strengthen a party committed to expanding and profiting off of tearing the limbs off of babies so long as we don't explicitly fund it in federal spending bills. Remember, pro-life evangelicals for Biden said it was our understanding that the Biden administration was going to keep the Hyde Amendment in place. So butcher all of the babies, give Planned Parenthood $600 million a year, protect it through point of birth, sue every state who tries to pass legislative attempts to protect the unborn in their state. We'll vote for all of that, Biden, but can you just keep the Hyde Amendment in place so that our federal dollars don't fund abortion in federal spending bills? Only a cheap grace could say that. Only the cheapest grace could allow a Christian leader to say that Christ approves of you using your self-governance to allow and expand the murder of children in a womb that God himself once dwelled in. The pro-life evangelicals for Biden should approach the throne of costly grace with trembling knees and repent for helping empower this radical pro-abortion agenda. They should apologize to the pro-life movement. And they should reach out to pro-Trump evangelicals and Catholics in order to join us and help us finally end abortion in this country. And that starts with not advocating for abortion in the first place. There you have it. This is why pro-life evangelicals for Biden would have supported Hitler, because culture and bigotry are powerful things, and they would have been as influenced by the cultural norms of the Holocaust as they are by the cultural norms of today's Holocaust, as they pontificate about being personally pro-life, but voting to continue to murder babies. And if we don't root out this type of heresy and heretics within the church and stop making room for that as an acceptable inclusion within historic Christianity, then our faith itself is going to be compromised because that's only a cheap grace that makes room for anti-Christian secular humanistic ideologies. That's syncretism and it has to be rooted out. And for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the sake of the God who entered human history in a womb as an unborn child and for the sake of ending the scourge in our country, the womb lynchings, the murder of unborn children at the tune of a million a year, we cannot make room for a big tent Christianity that makes room for these types of ideologies within the walls of the church. We would love to work with you, pro-life evangelicals for Biden, just like we would like to convince fiscal conservatives for Karl Marx that they cannot be that and they must support conservative principles. We would love for you to realize that you cannot support and vote for murdering babies and still be pro-life. Those are a contradiction in terms. You need to repent at the throne of costly grace with trembling knees. Come home and join us in ending the genocide of abortion. Thank you for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give this show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to learn more and engage with me online, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or go to my website, sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com, to sign up for my newsletter to get updates on what's happening in the country. See my speaking schedule if you want to hear me come speak live and local. Thank you for joining us. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. We'll <laughs>